Well, let's turn to the scriptures, and we're going to be reading together 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is by the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart, Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Well, friends, as you know, We have been living, we're still living in times of testing. That's been true internationally, nationally and personally as well. Difficult days. Been times of hard experiences for many people. For some it's been bodily, perhaps uh, sickness or concern for those who were sick. For others it's been economic pressures and That hasn't gone away for a great many people, perhaps anxious about their employment and whether they'll have any. And emotionally and spiritually, it has been a testing time. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we don't feel the impact of what's going on around us. We can experience anxiety, fear. We can feel burdened spiritually. Now, thankfully, we've got the assurance, of course, that our God is sovereign. Sovereign even in the coming of the virus. It's not out of his control. Sovereign in all things. Events we've lived through that we think surely should be a wake-up call uh, to many spiritually to think about eternal issues. To be confronted so quickly and in such a a wide scale with the frailty of human life. And yet we know, of course, multitudes are going on with not a thought about these issues, about eternal matters. As professing Christians, we may well have found our faith challenged and tested over the months of lockdown, easing of lockdown, the challenges it has brought 
anxieties about family members and others. Spiritually challenging. Perhaps days when the Lord has felt at a distance. Or perhaps there have been days when you've had fresh experiences of God's grace and God's help. I trust that has been the case for you. There certainly have been more opportunities for prayer, for Bible study. Have you taken them? Have you used some of the time to spend it with God, to be built up in your own soul over these days? We're thankful we can gather again, and it's a good time to take stock. We think traditionally of beginning a new season's work when we reach September, and for all the the differences and the challenges of this year, that still is the case. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to undertake what I'm calling a spiritual checkup. We could call it a spiritual MOT, but that might suggest many of us are old models that are getting near the end of their useful life. So we'll call it a spiritual checkup. That maybe is a little more optimistic. But we want to examine ourselves in the light of the Word of God applied by the Spirit of God. As if we are sitting before the great physician, the Lord himself, And week by week, we're going to think of a different question. A question that the Scriptures and the Lord himself are putting to us. As your doctor might ask you questions, you sit down, you're in for a consultation. If you can get a face-to-face consultation, well, we're face-to-face with the Lord. And he's going to ask us questions. And I trust prayerfully we'll be seeking to answer them. I can't read your heart or answer them for you. But these are questions that we all need to be answering. And so we start our spiritual checkup today with the question, the basic question, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? There could not be any more basic question than that. Do you love the Lord? In a sense, if the answer to that is no, none of the rest of the questions matter. This is the foundation. Do you love the Lord? I want to think about that by asking three more questions. And the first is, do you love him Because he saved you. Do you love him because he saved you? Psalm 116, first verse. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. The psalmist is recounting his own experience of the Lord's grace. Just testimony. Now, we don't know exactly the circumstances of the psalm. We're not told. But when the psalmist was at the end of his resources, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard and delivered him. When I was brought low, he saved me. The psalmist writes in verse 6 of the psalm. And we are right, I believe, to apply Psalm 116 
to the big issues, the greatest issues of sin and salvation. Because the biggest question that we all have to answer is, are you saved? Are you saved? Perhaps in our circles, we don't ask people that question in quite the way that some other Christians do. We're maybe more reticent. And yet it's the vital question, are you saved? You sit here as a church member today. You've professed faith, but in your heart of hearts, as the Lord sees it today, are you saved? Do you love the Lord because he saved you? This is a matter not of life and death, but of eternal life and eternal death. There couldn't be a bigger question than that. Even the the issues of life and death through disease are secondary to this greatest of issues. This is the question of salvation. And I trust in recent times there are those who, as they faced perhaps the question of bodily death, their own or of a loved one, have been brought to think about these issues and indeed have been brought to salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus. And I'm sure there are those who, when they're suddenly confronted with death itself, have been brought by God's goodness and God's grace to think of the need of salvation and have trusted in Christ. Many others won't have given it a single thought. Are you saved? The gospel is good news. It tells us about what God has done in his love for sinners like us. That's the root of salvation, the love of God. What God has done through the Son incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, his death, his resurrection. We're told in the scriptures he's done everything that is needed for the salvation of sinners, of sinners like us. It's all been done by the Lord in and through Christ for people like us. And to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is to receive the gift of salvation, the love gift of God to completely undeserving people like us who could not for one moment earn a drop of God's goodness. And yet in grace and in love he's provided Christ. And in Christ we have salvation and eternal life. And so we read in 1 John 4, just before the passage we read earlier, 1 John 4, 19, We love because he first loved us. As we experience God's love for us in Christ, then there wells up in our hearts a love for the Lord and for his people and for others, chiefly for the Lord. We're set free to love him. Before we were saved, we didn't love God, we were God's enemies. Now we're set free to love him. 
Do you love him because he saved you? Any claim to be a Christian is an empty, hollow thing. Unless it's accompanied by love for the Lord. There's no point saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a church member. If there isn't love for the Lord in your hearts. The loudest profession is nothing if you don't love the Lord. That's the evidence of God's grace in our hearts and lives. We love the God who saved us. So as we ask our first question, do you love the Lord? We follow that up, do you love him because he saved you? Can you say today, yes, he saved me. Once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was a sinner, a prisoner of sin. Now I'm a child of God and I love my Father in heaven. Do you love him because he saved you? And if you're in any doubt about that today, and if you're not sure, then as your pastor, I long to talk to you about it and make sure. Because there is no bigger issue than this. And to go through life not too sure whether you're saved or not is a disaster. In time and in eternity. Do you love him because he saved you? Secondly, as we ask, do you love the Lord? Then we ask, do you love him because he provides for you? Do you love him because he provides for you? Christians are able to address God as our Father in heaven. Beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Maybe we're so familiar with the phrase we don't really realize just how amazing it is our father and as a perfect father he knows and provides for all the needs of his children remember the comparison jesus makes matthew 7 and verse 11 if you then though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Imperfect fathers will give good gifts. The perfect Father in heaven will give the best of gifts. Day by day, our loving Lord provides for us, doesn't he? Think of the reference in 1 Timothy six seventeen to God who provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that striking? Provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do we enjoy the gifts of God? Christians are not often thought of as people of joy. It's sad that's the case if we've given the world reason to think that. The Lord gives us everything. For our enjoyment. And in response to his generosity, as his children, aren't we filled with love, with thankfulness for such 
rich provision, such abundant supply that we have in the Lord Jesus. Psalm 31, verse 23. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. Do you love him because he provides for you? And not just a few drops of provision, the bare minimum to get you through, but an abundant supply far beyond what we absolutely need and what we could even imagine. He provides. Our love for the Lord is tested sometimes, of course, when the Lord provides what we would not have wanted or would not have asked for. It's a test of the genuineness of our love. Do we love him when he disciplines us, for example? It's easy to love the Lord when everything is going smoothly and easily and we got what we want. But what happens when that's not the case? If the Lord disciplines us, for example. And Hebrews 12, 6 reminds us the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And our hearts perhaps don't exactly rise up in joy when you read a text like that. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And in one way we'd prefer he didn't, of course. It can be very uncomfortable And yet if we realize that God's discipline is for our spiritual good, when we understand that as verse 11 of Hebrews 12 tells us, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, then we are, by God's grace, able to love him when he disciplines us. And when the blow of God's rod of discipline stings. We're still able to love him because we know it is done in love. As a faithful parent chastises their children for their good, the Lord chastises us for our good and we love him. Do we love him too in our trials and our tests? James 1 and verse 2, we thought about it when we were working our way through James. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. As we thought then, don't we need God's grace to count it joy when we go through trials? The temptation when we're in trials and difficult times, can be to become angry or resentful or bitter. And people of the world often are hardened through times of trial. It shouldn't happen to us as Christians, as children of God. We're to love the Lord. Again, as we understand the trials aren't random But they are for God's loving purpose to reshape us in the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And you see what the Son of God endured. And we can't expect it to be easier. Do you love the Lord because he provides for you? 
And do you still love him when he disciplines you? Do you still love him when he leads you through the valley of dark shadow? Whatever kind of trial it should be. It needs grace. It's not something that comes easily or naturally to most of us. But by God's grace, it is possible. Do you love the Lord? And is your love for him growing as you experience his provision each day? As you find he gives you the grace for whatever comes. And when it is hard, and when it isn't what you would ever have chosen, and yet he gives you the grace to cope. Do you love him because he provides for you? Do you love the Lord? Do you love him because he saved you? Are you a saved sinner as you sit here today? The Lord knows the answer. Do you love him because he provides for you and he gives you everything for your enjoyment, whatever you need? Even when he disciplines you, it's in love. When he leads you through trials, he provides, remember Paul, the thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you find that each day? Do you love him because he provides for you? Do you love the Lord? Do you love him because he saved you? Do you love him because he provides for you? And our final question. Do you love, do you show your love by obedience? Do you show your love for him by obedience? The Lord makes very clear to us in his word that professions of love for the Lord are indeed empty unless there's evidence for the genuineness of that claim. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian. Anybody can say, I love the Lord. But is there evidence to support that claim? They've all come across people who claim to be all sorts of things. And gradually, perhaps as we talked to them or we watched them, it became very obvious they weren't what they said they were. And sometimes there are those who profess to be Christians. And yet if we listen to them and we watch them, we start to think, is this really a Christian? And of course others are watching us and listening to us. It'll be sometimes they ask the same question. Is this really a Christian? There is to be evidence for the genuineness of our claim, our profession of faith. And what is that evidence? The Bible spells it out. It's obedience. It's very simple in a sense. Obedience is the evidence for a claim to love God. And the Bible never sees any tension or contradiction between loving God and obeying God. You know, there are some 
Christians who'll say, well, you know, if you love God, you don't have to worry about obeying and the Spirit will lead you and you just forget about keeping God's commandments. We thought a bit about this last week when we spoke of antinomianism, the idea that if you love God, don't have to worry about his commandments, his law. Forget about all of that and the Spirit will lead you. But the Bible makes it clear obedience and obedience to God's commandments is the evidence of really loving the Lord. Listen to the Lord Jesus, John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, in one sense, that's a statement. Jesus is saying, if you love me, this is what will flow from it. You will keep my commandments. That is the way it will be. There's a sense of of promise in that as well. If you love me, then there will be obedience and you will be keeping my commandments. And that's tremendously encouraging. Of course, the other side is if there's a lack of keeping the Lord's commandments, well, then you have to wonder, is there love in that person's heart? They're not concerned to keep the Lord's commandments, do they love the Lord? But it is a statement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But it is also a command. It is a requirement of the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is what the Lord expects and requires of us. And it comes with the authority of the Lord himself. Our Lord and our King says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And there's no point telling him you love him if you're not keeping his commandments. If you don't have the desire to do that, we're not saying your perfect obedience will be evident in any of us. It won't. But there'll be a desire to obey and there'll be a measure of obedience that supports our claim to be his and to love him. Must be careful not to fall, of course, into the error of the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were outstanding keepers of God's law. Every little detail, tithing the herbs and everything else. If you wanted a keeper of the law, a Pharisee was your man. And yet Jesus condemns the Pharisees in very strong terms. Why did Jesus condemn these keepers of the law? Mark 7, 6. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their law-keeping was outward. It was keeping the rules, but there was no love in their hearts behind the law-keeping. So we must beware that we don't fall into thinking, well, I'll keep the rules. And as long as I keep the rules, I'll be all right. If it's not a keeping of the rules that flows out of love for the Lord, just keeping rules isn't sufficient. You can keep the law with a heart that is proud and hard and godless. Hypocrisy, I suggest, in the light of Scripture, is one of the most 
repulsive sins to God of any. To suggest you're a believer, you're a Christian, and not to keep his commandments, or to keep them only with a hard, proud heart. Those are serious sins in the Lord's sight. Love must empower our keeping of the commandments. Of course, the Lord knows our hearts. And he knows if our keeping the commandments is the fruit of love. Or if it's a matter of pride and self-satisfaction. What a good boy am I. I keep the rules. But if we love the Lord, we'll keep his commandments. God has loved us in Christ. And our love in return flows out in keeping commandments. This is love for God, John writes in 1 John 5 and verse 3. To keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. There's the test of a genuine love. Do you keep the Lord's commandments and do you find they're not a burden? Do you delight to do it because God's your Father and Christ's your Savior? There's a good test then to apply to ourselves today as we take stock in our spiritual checkup. The great physician is asking you today, do you love the Lord? Can you say, yes, I do. By God's grace, I love you. Do you love him because he saved you? Do you love him because he provides for you? And do you show your love for him by obedience? Is it a delight to keep the commandments of the God you love, the God who saved you, and the God who gives you the grace and the strength to keep the commandments. May the Lord enable us today, as he would ask us, do you love me? To say with Peter, yes, Lord. You know I love you.